0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: B.A. O'Connell is an author and artist that seeks to soothe and shock with their words. And they're here with us just now. How are you doing?
2: I'm good. I'm good. How are you?
1: Yes, I'm doing great today. So, first of all, how would you describe the style of the poetry that you write?
2: Um, well, I mostly like to write free-form poetry. Mm. Uh, it's really heavy in imagery, and uh, uh, it it has a really heavy emphasis on mu- musicality and imagery. Mm.
1: Yeah, and what actually is free form poetry? Is it just kind of where there's no rules?
2: Well, it's a, uh, it's kind of like free. It's like yeah, you kind of make up your own structure for mm. it. It's a, uh, it's like free verse or uh, yeah, basically there's no rules. You just make up your own. <laughs> yeah,
1: but then what actually makes it poetry as opposed to just a paragraph of thoughts?
2: Um, well, I think I think the most important thing that separates you know a poem. From somebody just breaking up a sentence, kind of funnily, <laughs> uh, is 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 the imagery, is the metaphor, mm-hmm. um, is the way you use that's stru- the structure you make up for your poem
1: yeah definitely so i take it you were actually thinking about these things because i always just assumed that all these metaphors and similes are just kind of made up by
2: high school teachers or whatever <laughs> no i mean they're actually they're actually really important to the art yeah. form of poetry and uh i i would i would argue that they're the most essential part of a poem is yeah. Your ability to create a good metaphor
1: yeah and that's interesting because i think a lot of people would probably i guess wrongly assume that the most important part of poetry is rhyming but most poems you see don't actually rhyme really it's only the maybe ones for children or fun ones yeah. that rhyme
2: yeah uh yeah rhyme is actually not all that important to a poem i mean you yeah. can you can have a rhyming scheme uh, hmm. but if you have a rhyming scheme it has to have a a point. Uh, yeah. just rhyming doesn't necessarily make it a good poem.
1: <laughs> no, exactly. I think there's a poet here, like hundreds of years ago, that did a poem about like the tea bridge, I think, and it's notoriously like the worst poet ever. And his stuff did <laughs> rhyme. So it just goes to show that just because you rhyme doesn't mean you're good. <laughs> yeah. So who would you say your audience are really? Do you aim your poems at a specific demographic?
2: Um, I like I like to reach out to people around my own age, as well as like maybe teenagers, young adults, mm-hmm. um, people who who I think are in particular uh, emotionally turbulent times in their lives. So people mm-hmm. in transitional stages, uh, I think, because. It, in that time period people feel a lot of deep emotion and I think knowing that they're not alone feeling that emotion it can help help them I hope yeah
1: definitely and with that in mind I suppose would you like your poems to perhaps be studied by school students because I guess that's the perfect way for them to come across it I mean
2: it would, it would be nice if someday yeah. I was studied in schools I mean that sounds a little egotistical I think but yeah. it would be nice it would be nice if I was studied someday
1: <laughs> yeah and do you find that this demographic actually are interested in your poems because I guess poetry is something that, I don't know, I don't really know anyone that's interested in mm-hmm. it to be honest and if somebody said they like reading poems, you'd maybe keep your distance from them, I don't know <laughs>
2: um, I mean I think it's I think you just have to You have to find the right kind of people uh, yeah. I find that people online are particularly interested in the poems, they find they find some kind of value in them. <laughs> yeah.
1: Definitely. I suppose with the internet you can find anyone who likes the poems from any age really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And although you're targeting that demographic, do you find that that's who enjoy them most or is it broader?
2: Um, you know, I I think I think mostly people young adults and teenagers do are mostly interested, but I do mm-hmm. find that I do have some older readers who find them you know worthwhile and yeah. and a good read yeah definitely and do
1: you have particular themes that you like to write about in the poems as well
2: yeah so I like to focus on things like mental illness uh, uh you know the struggle of growing up oh yeah uh romances unhealthy relationships things that I think a lot of people experience when they're young
1: Mm, definitely and I guess that just goes along with that demographic then yeah. and how many poems have you written so far
2: oh goodness I, I couldn't even count them I, oh. I've written so many yeah. not all of them good but yes. I've written a lot
1: yeah. Does it get to a point where you can't really remember some of the ones? Like if somebody showed it to you, you'd be like,
2: what? I wrote that. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, I think sometimes <laughs> I go through like my computer and I find old poems and I'm like, oh, yeah. I can't believe I wrote that. Mm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, do you ever look at it and think, oh, that's really good.
2: Whoever wrote that must be amazing. And then you <laughs> kind of realize it was you. Uh, I mean, yeah, sometimes I'm like, wow, this is really good. Uh, <laughs> sometimes it's the opposite, though. Sometimes mm. I look at it and I'm like, oh,
1: no (laughs) as long as it was a long time ago and then you can't really feel bad about it i guess (laughs) yeah
2: yeah
1: Yeah. and although some of them are hard to remember do you have any favorites of ones you've written so far or maybe the ones from recently
2: um well i think i think it's hard to pick a favorite really because you're invested in so many of them You, you spend so much time crafting them you know it's hard to it's hard to remember if you if you like this one better or not i think mm. it changes as you read them
1: yeah and are each of your poems
2: very similar how different are they really um i go through phases so you know i'll get stuck on a an idea for a week or a month and these poems will all be very similar and then all of a sudden you know the thinking will change and they'll be very different
1: yeah yeah <laughs> And how do you actually write a poem then? Do you have certain things that you do to help you get in the mindset?
2: Yeah, so like I like to write every day in the morning. So I'll get up about Mm. six or seven and then I'll write till eight. And I like to put on music in the background. So... I put on, you know, indie artists, independent artists, and I, I listen to sad music mostly <laughs> right. and write.
1: Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned that your poems are musical, so I take it that definitely helps with it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And does the mood of the music reflect what you're writing?
2: Um, well, generally, yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> and does your mood on that day affect your writing i guess it does to a big extent right
2: oh yeah definitely Um uh, depending depending on my mood and what i've been thinking about the day before when i woke up that morning it, it can make a huge difference
1: yeah definitely and where do you write as well
2: um i like to write uh at the local university in in plainview uh-huh. i like to write there uh i think it's interesting you can get a lot of hmm. inspiration from uh people watching, just thinking about what's going through other people's heads.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I always like to do that, like at the airport, try and guess where people are going, like, hmm, he's going to Amsterdam, and all this of <laughs> stuff. People watching is so fun, and you can get a lot of inspiration from it, really, and all the weird uh, yeah. people you see out and about. <laughs> and it's interesting doing it at a university rather than your own house. Do you feel like a bit of an imposter? Because I guess universities are actually pretty open more than you'd expect, right? So you yeah. can actually go there. Yeah,
2: you, I mean, it's not like they check if you're yeah. a student <laughs> when you go there. <laughs> I mean, it does, it does sometimes feel a little strange uh, mm. when people will ask, you know, a question about a class or something, and you're like, oh, actually, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just here. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, definitely, because you can go in the libraries and all sorts and use it. Mm-hmm. So, how long does it normally take you to write a poem on average?
2: Uh, I would say between, you know. 20 to 30 minutes to get the the draft down and then there's just a long process of Deciding if I like what I've done or Mm. uh, if it's actually a worthwhile poem, if I can tinker with it.
1: Yeah, and I guess do you release everything you do? Because you can't release everything. There's probably not enough space on the internet. And also, (laughs) you might not be as proud of one poem as you are another.
2: No, I'm definitely very picky about which poems I ultimately put in collections or online. I don't don't release everything, you know, because honestly, if you're creating as much... Mm product as I am I mean not all of them are going to be worthwhile.
1: <laughs> yeah and is it just your opinion on what you release because I think sometimes you might find that you might not like one you've done but somebody else might come along and
2: go oh that one's really good. Well actually the, the thing is as much as I want people to read my poetry I'm terrible <laughs> at allowing people to read it you know while I'm there or uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. if they know I know who I am I, I just mm. maybe not. <laughs> yeah
1: I guess it's bad enough at school when you had to write a poem or something and you know that somebody was going to read it and mark it and you just wait for the teacher to look at yours and you see them look puzzled and that's the worst look yeah
2: yeah yeah the the criticism I just can't I can't handle it from people I know (laughs) yeah definitely
1: and do you do any research before you write because I guess if you're writing about specific topics that you might not know about it helps
2: yeah um I mean I think I I I do uh I do do a lot of not intentional research but because you know, so much of my poetry is written based on what I'm interested in or what I'm doing at the moment. Uh, A lot of times I'll get interested in some kind of part of history or some kind of writer or something and they'll end up in my poetry, you know, and I'll I'll just have these facts cuz I've been looking them up anyway. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So let's
1: go back to the very beginning. Where were you born exactly?
2: I was born in Denver, Colorado. Ah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And what was it like there? Was it fun?
2: Well, I actually uh I actually moved to Texas when I was about 2, so I don't oh. remember much of Denver. <laughs>
1: no. But
2: Texas has been a wonderful place to grow up. I love Texas. Yeah. I don't think I'd I'd leave very willingly yeah so i take it you're
1: there now then
2: yes i am <laughs> yeah.
1: and is that fun
2: it is fun it is fun yeah. i live in a small town so it's pretty quiet yeah but you know we can we can, we can get to lubbock which is where tech, texas tech is and there's yeah. there's some fun things to do there so i have a good time
1: yeah definitely it sounds it like, and texas is a massive place so whereabouts is that area in terms of north south east or west
2: it's it's north in the panhandle so it's in the little square part at the top of the state
1: Uh, (laughs) oh okay yeah that makes sense then nice and north yeah (laughs) not as hot as the south as well but i guess it's still pretty hot isn't it yeah
2: it's it's pretty hot here
1: yeah so what was your childhood and upbringing like in this texas town
2: well you know uh my childhood was pretty normal until about 15, uh, when I, I got in trouble with the law and, uh, i ended up going to a, a state school for four years uh and that was that was different yeah. <laughs> it was uh it was interesting to say the least yeah well
1: state schools are pretty normal here i don't know about over there is is it different
2: it's like juvenile detention it's like a oh. it's like kitty prison oh right okay <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah yeah we just use that to mean a government-owned normal school so that's interesting <laughs> and what was that experience like really because i take it it's very very different to what he's getting at normal school.
2: Oh yeah, it was. I mean, it was, uh, you know, we, we did have classes and things, but mostly Mm. it was, it was just it was juvenile detention. I mean we were there to, we were there to pay for whatever we'd done against the law and yeah. you know get disciplined, and it wasn't exactly fun. It wasn't exactly like a normal high school experience. but um, you know, it, it helped me learn things. I think it made me a more empathetic and understanding person of, of people who've gone through difficulties. So. Mm,
1: yeah, so I take it as just like boarding school, but worse. Yeah.:
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah and how much of it is education then and how much is punishment or rehabilitation or whatever
2: um i mean i would say i'd say about 20% was spent on education and the rest was you know yeah. spent on reforming us into Ooh. model citizens yeah. that's
1: quite a tough percentage then
2: yeah yeah
1: um, and was there any play involved any fun or
2: i mean yeah <laughs> i mean we had we had you know, they had a basketball team and they had, I mean, they played other juvenile (laughs) delinquents, (laughs) but um, I mean, they did, they did things to try to make it as normal as they could. Uh, I mean, we did, we did, you know, bingo and craft things and (laughs) they had a a basketball team and we had gym and stuff. I mean, they tried.
1: Yeah, and do you feel that that experience helped you become not a
2: criminal anymore, or could it have made it worse? <laughs> it's definitely a strong deterrent. You certainly don't <sighs> want to go back to a place like that. Uh, but I also think it just—it just helps. It helps. At least it helped me. I know it doesn't help everybody, but I, I think it helped me see that other people, you know, they have their struggles, they have their problems. You can't just. You can't be angry at the world because everybody's got things going on.
1: Yeah, definitely. So before all that happened, what were you like as a
2: child? Um, I was I was mischievous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit of a a bit of a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> i liked to do things my own way
1: yeah does that reflect in your poetry then given that you do a free verse you do things your own way
2: yeah i think so i think uh i think i still have a strong rebel streak i definitely <laughs> like to do things my own way and i like to think i see the world in my own way yeah. um so I think, I think, yeah, I think that's definitely very reflected in my poetry.
1: Yeah. And did you have any favourite books or favourite poems even as a child?
2: Uh, let's see. As a child, I'm trying to think. Well, I had some favourite books for sure. I liked, yeah. I liked Harry Potter. I was very into Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I also liked Call of the Wild. Not Call of the Wild. Mm. No, White Fang. I liked White Fang. Ah,
1: yeah. I don't know if I've heard that one. What's that one?
2: <laughs> so White Fang is about... Uh, Buck's son so Buck is the dog in Call of the Wild and uh, White Fang is the half wolf son and it's his story about actually finding his way back to being a domestic dog from being a half-wolf puppy. Oh, so it's a spin-off then? Yeah, yeah, spin-off sequel, yeah. Yeah, okay. I
1: just saw the Harrison Ford movie of Call of the Wild last year. That's the only way I get the reference.
2: The, the book is better than that movie. <laughs> yeah,
1: I thought the movie was pretty boring, to be honest. <laughs> what subjects did you do at school as well? Because was there a kind of limitation on what you could do at the state school, or was that kind of before you you'd get to pick what you want anyway
2: um I mean yeah it was was really it was really before I would have decided what I wanted to do anyway yeah but I I mean I always enjoyed the English class no matter where I was at I mean the English class was the best class (laughs) (laughs)
1: and then when you did get to decide what to do what did you pick
2: uh so when I went to college I I actually went through three or four different majors which is funny because you know Uh, but I started with environmental science, which oh. uh, i don't know. I thought I needed a <laughs> practical career, so I was like science mm. uh, and then I went to then I went to art oh. and then I finally settled on just just English and I got mm. my degree in English. yeah,
1: but then poetry is an art, so that second major could still work, but yeah, I think that art is more painting well they were thinking <laughs> they were
2: thinking more fine arts like sculpture and yeah painting.
1: Yeah, definitely. And when you inevitably did your major in English, did you realize then that this was something you wanted to spend all your life doing at six in the morning?
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, uh, actually, I think I was my sophomore year and I took a creative writing class. And I actually, I actually had been writing poetry for a while before this, but then I kind of realized, wow, this is, this is actually kind of fun. I could do this for a long time, you know?
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because you'd get a qualification at the end of that, but of course you don't really need a qualification to become a poet because you never have to apply for the job. So right. did you use that qualification for anything?
2: Um, so actually, uh, mostly what I used college and grad school for was to make connections. So
1: so,
2: yeah. um, I I now have the knowledge from my professors and and the people at at Wayland actually in Plainview where I write um, to know how to how to use the publishing industry and how to promote my books and things like that. Oh yeah, of course.
1: How did you get into poetry then? Because you mentioned that you were already writing it by that point. So, what was it that kick
2: started it? So, uh, I kind of I kind of learned that. The way to deal with a lot of emotions, you know, rather than being criminal uh, (laughs) is to. Is to you know just express them in some way. And so I really got into poetry and using that as a way to vent things and get things out in the open.
1: Yeah. So did you write a lot of personal poems
2: then? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. I still do. I mean I still hmm. write a lot based on my own life.
1: Yeah. Does the reader know it's your life or are we just to assume it's a character?
2: I mean I would I would prefer to think of it as a persona and I would yeah. prefer for people to think of it as a persona, because I don't want people to assume when I'm writing writing this poem that it's, you know, necessarily 100% the truth about me. I I want it to be something Universal, something people can use for themselves. Yeah,
1: and I guess do you just find it's really cathartic to write about your own experiences? And I suppose it's maybe not as good as talking to somebody, but it definitely gets it out there because you're writing it down.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think it is really cathartic. I think it's a yeah. great way to to kind of deal with those emotions and process them, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's the same kind of psychology as if you want to make a complaint, you write a really angry letter, and then you just scrunch it up and even yeah. though you haven't really done anything, you feel a lot better.
2: Yeah. I mean I think so. I think it's a great way to say, Hey, I have I have this issue or I have I have this problem with the way the world is right now and mm. this is all I can do about it, but at least it's something. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So if you were to tell your younger self anything, what advice would you give them?
2: Uh, I think I would tell my younger self. um, I think I would tell them, you know, don't don't be afraid of your emotion. Don't be afraid to use it for something good. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And as a poet, do you ever struggle with people maybe belittling your work maybe? Because I think a lot of people maybe poo-poo poetry as just a little bit of silliness and it's not really proper art So how do you deal with the critics?
2: Well, I think uh, the first thing I do with the critics is mostly ignore them. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) But it also also is a frustrating place to be to think, well, so many people don't like poetry and I feel like they've never really experience, you know, a good poem, a poem that, that speaks to them and it, it's kind of a little sad to me because like, yeah. when you find a poem that really means something to you I mean, it, it's it's really powerful Yeah, and
1: the th- other problem is really that when I was at school the poems they picked for us to study were terrible, so that just gives everyone an image that poems are terrible, but if they'd pick good ones then poems would be good
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I think I think like plays, most poems are best if you read them out loud, if you perform them. So uh, I think if we showed people spoken word poetry or uh, had more readings of poetry instead of just handing (laughs) them a a paper and saying, hey, you know, figure out what this means, I think... I think if people performed poetry, a lot more people would fall in love with it.
1: Yeah, and I guess maybe there's the other thing of just make up your own mind what this poem means and interpret it for yourself rather than having somebody do it for you and just have to copy because that's what we did at school, really. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: I think think that's important too. I mean, I think a good poem has so many possible meanings that yeah. it kind of becomes up to the individual what they take away from it. I think that's an important thing we need to teach people too. Yeah. Poems don't have just, this is what this means. <laughs> yeah.
1: And do you have any favourite poets or poems yourself?
2: Um, I'm a huge fan of Jack Kerouac and uh, Sylvia Plath. Um, my favorite poem by Sylvia Plath is Lady Lazarus. Mm. And my favorite poem by Jack Kerouac. Um, I'm really more into his novels, but <laughs> he did write a lot of good poetry. He had a lot of good theories about poetry, so I, I like him a lot, too. Yeah.
1: And are there any poets or poetry styles that you don't like?
2: Uh, I'm really not a fan of what what I call Instagram poetry or... Oh. or uh, You know, poems where they just, they just, they take a really simple idea and then they hammer you over the head with it with a, where they feel like they have to explain themselves very thoroughly for a very set meaning and it's very short. I I just don't like that. It's (laughs) A, you should respect your reader enough to figure out what you're trying to tell them and B, what's the point? I mean, what are you doing? (laughs)
1: Do you have an example of that? Because I'm just trying to think how that would be.
2: Well, um, I mean, this is going to be controversial, but (laughs) I think Ruby Carr is actually um, she she wrote the poetry book Milk and Honey and and a couple others and I really don't I really don't like her style. She yeah. she just I just feel like she really explains herself too much and it she doesn't put a lot of I mean, I'm sure she puts a lot of effort into her poems and I'm sure she's very proud of her work and, you know, congrats to her and she's been published and all. But it's just, I just feel like that style of poetry is not particularly interesting to me and I I, I don't like it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I guess Instagram poetry, it's all just to get likes. So they're going to make it like that. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not right. I don't really know what I'm saying anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So what actually is
2: poetry to you? How would you... Describe it in your own words. I think poetry is the art of taking an emotion, an idea or a story and turning it into something like something metaphor, something universal. So say mm. you take, say you have the feeling of, oh, I'm I'm angry with this person. Yeah. And you take metaphor and you take simile and you take imagery and you turn it into this really beautiful moment and reflection of yourself that other people can also used to reflect about themselves. Mm, That's interesting.
1: When you write poetry, do you find that you're exhausted at the end, or does it actually energise you because of all this stuff coming to you?
2: Um, I mean, I start my day with it for for a reason, because, yeah, it Mm. makes me feel... It makes me feel A, like I've I've done something productive with my day and B, like, yeah. yeah, really energized, like, oh yeah, I finally I finally I finally got something out on the page. I can move on to my other mundane task of the day. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's interesting.
1: And I guess the thing about doing it so early in the morning is that you've got something done so early and you don't have to worry about it for the rest of the day if you were going to.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well that's it's a, yeah, that's a nice thing, is I've yeah. accomplished it. I've gotten oh. it done
1: (laughs) yeah definitely and you just have that accomplishment feeling for the rest of the day whereas if you left it till the evening all day you would be thinking about what you're going to write and the day would be kind of wasted in a way because the poetry Mm -hmm. would become the point of the day
2: oh yeah absolutely absolutely yeah i would spend all day just thinking oh i gotta get that done i gotta i gotta figure out what i'm gonna write about
0: ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile
2: well yeah Yeah. it
1: would drive me nuts yeah definitely do you set an alarm to wake up at that time or do you naturally wake up with insomnia or something
2: (laughs) no I mean I just pretty much I pretty much just wake up around that time every day it's just it's I've been doing it so long it's just a natural habit now
1: yeah I guess there's a lot of people
2: like that do you find it
1: easier to wake up at that time during the summer
2: Uh, I mean, in the summer I might move it to wake up at eight (laughs) instead of, instead of just six. Uh, but Hmm. I think, uh, I think it's easier to wake up that early in the winter actually because you're just kind of like well it's going to be dark all day anyway so
1: (laughs) yeah that's really interesting because i would have thought just like naturally to do with anatomy your body finds it easier to wake up when it is light
2: well no i think i think the reason i sleep in so late in this in the summer is because frankly i don't want to get up from Mm my nice air conditioned room to go face
1: the heat Mm, yeah that's true i suppose that's a problem we don't really have in the uk because we don't really have air conditioning in houses so Mm -hmm. we have that problem in the winter of i don't want to get up from my nice warm duvet to go out in the cold but then if you're going straight to a nice warm shower that could be nice (laughs) so where do you get your inspiration from then is it all sorts of different aspects of your life or maybe stuff that's not your life but internet
2: um i mean i think my insp- yeah i think my inspiration comes from a lot of different places yeah mm. parts of it are from you know whatever's going on in my life uh sometimes it's stuff going on in my friends lives uh yeah stuff i've read about on the internet you know current events Mm. i just get inspiration from all kinds of places
1: yeah and do you find it easy for the inspiration to come to you because if you're writing every day sometimes you might run out of ideas
2: yeah i mean there there are there are days where it's like i just i don't have anything to say today yeah (laughs) i I have nothing to write. And and on those days, I think I just say, you know what, I'll I'll come back to it tomorrow, see what happens.
1: Yeah, and that's interesting because even though you do that, do you sometimes find that maybe even though you've got inspiration – You might just be sick of writing poems and want to do something else or would rather be playing a game. I don't know.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of days where I just have to say, you know what, I've I've written 16 poems this week. I'm tired. I just, (laughs) I don't want to write any poems today. I want to Mm. watch YouTube or do something goofy. So I'll just take the break. I'll just say, you know what, if my brain doesn't want it, I don't need to do it. Yeah.
1: And I guess it's important to do that because if you don't, then it'll
2: just feel like a chore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to force. yourself I mean, I know a lot of people will say if you're going to write, you need to write every day. But I think mm. if you try to force yourself, it's just not going to be a good product. You're just not yeah. going
1: to. It'll just be rubbish. It's like when you write stuff for school. I just try to think of the longest way to express something so that you could meet the word count. <laughs> so it's just the same as that, really. But yeah, you'd be typing yeah. absolute nonsense. <laughs>
2: <laughs> absolutely,
1: yes. And do you believe in? In writer's block necessarily? Oh yeah. Uh,
2: I mean, I know I've definitely experienced writer's block. Uh, yeah. There's just days where nothing you put on the page is good enough for you, or oh, yeah. you just you just can't think of an idea you are satisfied with. So yeah i definitely have experienced that yeah
1: and i take it you just get around that by having a gap day
2: well you you take a break but eventually Mm. you have to get to a point where it's like well i gotta write again yeah and when you get to that point it's you're gonna write a bunch of crap first and you just gotta you just gotta say you know i gotta get the crud out of there and then yeah. eventually the good stuff will come back
1: yeah. and what's the longest gap you've ever had due to lack of inspiration
2: oh I would say two or three months that was wow. that was really difficult too yeah that yeah, was hard oh. uh, I just I didn't feel like doing it and yeah. I, I could not make myself and it was hard yeah, yeah definitely
1: and in that case what was it that got you back to doing it
2: I think I just I just said you know uh, I like I writing poetry is what I do and if I'm not writing poetry then what am I doing you know yeah. Uh, and i said i just got to do it i just yeah. got to sit down and write and yeah a lot of a lot of the first stuff that came out was real rough but eventually it I came back <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's so interesting because there's so many things that we have to do in our lives that we just decide one day that we don't want to do anymore, even though we have to. And then eventually we get back to it somehow and it just happens. I don't know why. (laughs) And your poems have been included in a few journals recently, right?
2: Haven't they? Yes, yes, they have. Uh, I was in like Homology Lit, uh, The Lavender Review, a few places like that
1: yeah yeah and is that a good feeling then to be able to be featured there because i guess it means that someone appreciates what you're doing uh,
2: yeah absolutely i mean it's it's a good feeling to know uh, well at least somebody read my poetry <laughs> and appreciated it i mean more yeah. than read it they appreciated it they wanted it to be a part of something they created and that's that's yeah. a really nice feeling yes yeah
1: definitely they read it and thought it was good enough yeah yeah, yeah. and is this your full-time career or do you have other things to pay the bill or just not make money from poetry
2: i am a I am a full-time poet i I wouldn't Ooh. say it's a uh a luxurious career but (laughs) it definitely uh it's definitely what I've dedicated myself to full-time uh and I enjoy it tremendously and is it comfortable money or is it more
1: to do with the fun than the money you do it for
2: it's more for the fun it's definitely a starving artist kind of (laughs) lifestyle but I mean I, I do it for the passion of the poetry I do it because I love poetry.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's good to get to a stage in your life where you can do something that you like as your full-time thing. Mhm.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah.
1: And if you weren't doing poetry as your full-time career, if we call it that, what would you be doing, do you think? Would it be the art or the environmental science?
2: I think if I hadn't decided to pursue poetry, no, poetry writing full-time, I think I'd want to be a college professor. I think I'd oh. want to be Um, somebody who taught poetry or Uh, or taught creative writing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to accept that as an answer. That's a bit cheeky because it's basically still poetry you're doing, isn't it?
2: (laughs) Well, uh, if I wasn't, okay, if I wasn't doing anything related to poetry or English in any way, I think I would be... Uh, a dream job, I think mm-hmm. I would be oh uh, I don't know, maybe maybe an artist. Yeah, yeah, an artist. I think I'd do that. Yeah,
1: that sounds fun. And that takes a lot of time, I suppose, doesn't it, art? But I guess poetry does as well, so not much of a change there. <laughs> yeah, not really. Yeah. Just a different type of project. <laughs> and how would you compare them too? Do you think that poetry is equally as artful as art with a capital A? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I think poetry is definitely—I like to call it painting with words. I think yeah. Oh, yeah. you're trying to you're trying to put a picture in people's minds, and mm. you know, it's instead of with paints, you're just using I- images and and metaphors.
1: Oh yeah. Although they say a picture paints a thousand words, so you're gonna have to write an a thousand word poem to match it.
2: <laughs> Not yeah. if you write a good poem. You can yeah. you can get a very <laughs> succinct poem done with a yeah. great image if you're good at it
1: yeah i don't know if many people have the time for a thousand word poem but one mm, exists no. probably
2: oh probably i mean people have written epic poems but yeah. they're they've fallen out of favor <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and because your poems are quite
1: musical have you ever thought about writing the lyrics to a song
2: i mean i have uh i mean i love i, I love music yeah. i i love it tremendously but i have no musical talent of my own yeah. um I uh I can't play an instrument. <laughs> I I can't sing. <laughs> so um I would be I would love to write lyrics for somebody someday. That would yeah. be great. It would be absolutely fantastic But yeah. you know I don't know if I'll ever have that opportunity Because mm. I guess to
1: write the lyrics You probably don't really need any musical talent Because you're just doing the lyrics And yeah, as long yeah. as you know The structure of a song maybe Then that should be alright Or somebody could write the um, yeah. tune first And then you'd know what you're doing yeah. I guess.
2: I mean yeah If somebody wrote me a tune And they were like We'll put lyrics to this I, I probably could do it <laughs> Yeah definitely And of course The lyrics are very similar probably
1: because it's all about a specific theme isn't it
2: mm-hmm. yeah i think there's a lot of crossover between uh good lyrical writing and good poetry writing yeah uh i mean i think i think a lot of great poets today are actually you
1: know, songwriters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's the thing. I'm trying to think. There are some songwriters that if you Google them, it'd be like, Bob Dylan is a singer, songwriter, poet, etc. Kind of thing. Oh,
2: yeah. I mean, Bob Dylan did win the Nobel Prize for poetry. So, oh, yeah. yeah, he definitely casts. So,
1: oh, yeah. So, what else do you like to get up to in your spare time when you're not writing poems?
2: Uh, I like to do things like... uh well, I like to do art. I like to yeah. do drawing and painting, but I also oh. like to do things like language learning and uh, mm. um, just just general study of uh, <laughs> just general study of things. <laughs>
1: yeah. And what languages are you learning?
2: Uh, I'm trying to learn. Uh, Gaelic, and I'm trying oh. to learn uh, Japanese now. I yeah. won't say I'm very good at either of them yet, no. but I am yeah. trying very hard. Are you good enough to try a Gaelic or Japanese poem yet? Uh, <laughs> I would, I would not go there yet. No, I would not
1: go there yet. Yeah, that's a bit tricky, I suppose. And I suppose you'd have to try like Japanese sayings, which might not make sense when translated into English and vice versa. Yeah,
2: I mean, it, it's definitely hard to think of metaphor in a different language because. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) the language comes with the culture and what Mm. makes sense in your culture may not make any sense in theirs or vice versa yeah Mm.
1: that's true is it
2: japanese that
1: have like haiku or is that somewhere else because that's the kind of poetry isn't it
2: yeah yes japanese have the haiku uh and uh i'm I'm actually a big fan of japanese haiku i have i have collections all Mm. over my house of of japanese poets (laughs) but uh that's a that's a that would be fun to write a haiku in, in Japanese. I think that would yeah, be a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: And is that why you're learning Japanese then? Because you're a big fan of that.
2: Well, I mean, I in general, I'm a I'm a big fan of just learning about other cultures. But mm. I actually got interested in Japan when I was I was a kid. I mean, like every teenage United States kid of my age, I was I was into like Pokemon and stuff. And oh, I thought, yeah. oh, Japan, that's cool. So uh, I I developed a more respectful. Uh, <laughs> Interest in them since, but yeah, I I just find I find Japanese art and, and poetry very interesting. So, oh. and did
1: you enjoy the Olympics this year? Then
2: um, I didn't, I didn't watch too much of it actually, <sighs> just because just because i'm not a sports fan so all right
1: yeah you can watch the opening ceremony that's not very sporty is it i don't know so <laughs> no watch all the bits when they're in the studio and then turn it off during the actual sport <laughs> yeah. so what are some of the examples of poems that you've written recently and of course many years ago
2: um well i actually have a few collections now online yeah. i've published in the last year or two uh I've got "I Am Bleeding, I Am Blood" and uh, "Broken, Pretty, Shattered Things." Uh, they're on Amazon right now, and yeah. they're probably they're probably my most mature works because they were put together so recently. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, they're, they're probably the best examples of of uh, of my my quality and my type of work yeah
1: definitely and do you find that over the years you've just got better at your craft
2: yeah i mean it's like any skill uh the longer you work at it the better you're gonna be (laughs) yeah
1: And it's all very well and good, us sitting here talking about your poems, but I hate to put you on the spot, but do you have any on you that you could read out just so people know what you're actually like? I can get one. Let me see.
2: Right. Okay, so this is from February 23rd uh, this year, and it was the fourth poem I wrote that day.
1: Wow. And
2: it says... (laughs) I want to know you, like you obviously know me. I want your ways to be my ways. Move me, take my hands and move us together. I see your face when I look in the mirror. I want to be you, to sink, to exist in the same physical space as you, to breathe as you, to know the end as you do.
1: Wow, that's incredible.
2: Congratulations. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And how long did that one take you then? If that was the fourth of the day, presumably it was less than six hours. Uh,
2: it was uh, so, probably writing the actual poem. Like I said, like, putting a draft down takes 20 to 30 minutes. So it probably yeah. took me about 20 to 30 minutes to get the draft down. And then I usually let them sit for a week or two, and then I go through and see if there's anything I need to fix. And I don't know, editing can take an hour or two, so probably an hour and a half, (laughs) plus the two weeks of waiting time. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's fun. And do you type
1: them up when you're writing them in the morning, or do you kind of write them down first?
2: um usually I have a notebook with me. I like I Uh like the feel of pencil on paper, and so I will write them in pencil, and then I will come back and type them up at the end of the week. Uh And have you ever dreamt a poem? Is that a thing? (laughs) Uh, Yes, I have. I have. I don't know if I've dreamt a poem, but I have woken up in the middle of the night and been like, Mm -hmm. oh my god, and then written that down. Oh,
1: yeah, that's a bit interesting. Did you keep a notepad by the the bed or a voice recorder
2: <laughs> i mean i do have several notebooks in my room yes and ah. i just i just write them down when they come to me yeah definitely. i've written them on the back of envelopes before <laughs> and they just come so suddenly
1: yeah and what can we expect from your most recent poems then in terms of their content
2: um so in the case of pretty broken shattered things that deals with a particularly strange and and tumultuous relationship i had when i was younger mm. and so that deals a lot with unhealthy obsessions and and romantic romantic problems and then i am bleeding i am blood has a lot to do with being queer and and questioning your religion and yeah. and just the general angst of figuring out who you are
1: Yeah, and I like the covers for these as well because the I Am Bleeding, I Am Blood is literally got blood there but it's kind of like a cool way it's like painted or something and it maybe looks a bit like the end of a dress maybe, I don't know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I kind of wanted to, I kind of wanted it to look like, you know, like ink in water, maybe, you know, so, so kind of the idea of the poetry as, as the, as the blood, as the ink that, you know, comes from the, from the pain. Oh, that's deep. (laughs) I guess it's
1: just like poetry. It's up to your own. Interpretation about what the is oh, Yeah, definitely. Are. Yeah, definitely. And this other picture here—it's got somebody with their head in their hands. It seems.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the, the despair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is
1: this person's emotion what happens in the poems a lot?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there is a, a lot of a lot of sadness and 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 despair in the poetry in there. But I yeah, think yeah. there's also a bit of hope and a bit of self reflection. That's like, yeah, this this happened, but it's also i've got to i've got to keep moving forward you know
1: yeah so what other stuff have you got coming up in the not too distant future more
2: poems etc um i have i i'm i'm working on some more poems i'm hoping to put into a collection get published as a chapbook somewhere Hmm. and i've also i've also got some fiction ideas i'm working on um uh i've i've written a, a short novella uh i am I, uh, it's called The Nightmares. Uh, that that first one is up and I'm working on part two in the series right now. So, yeah, that's exciting.
1: So, you're branching out into books and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, what can
2: you tell us about these books? Is it all top secret? It's not all top secret. So, in the case of The Nightmares, uh, so The Nightmares starts with Joe and Sam, who are best friends in high school. Uh, it's set in 2016. So, they're, you know, they're, 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 Typical, you know, mid aughts teenagers and um, their friend or well, Joe's friend is acting strangely and involved in something shady, maybe aliens, maybe something else. Mm. And they're investigating it and the book too picks up in the consequences of having found out what this friend's secret is and what they're going to do about it
1: oh that sounds thrilling i can't wait for that <laughs> yeah and just something i've quickly read which i can't believe i didn't notice before but you actually nearly died three times in the same week once
2: Yes, so on a, a trip to Costa Rica, uh I I went with my my friends while I was studying Spanish for my undergrad. Ah. And um so I they I don't like the ocean. I never liked yeah. the ocean. But they they dragged me in uh I don't know, just because they were going to they were going to get me over my fear. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that didn't and work. So, <laughs> no, it didn't work. So I, uh, I was. They were teaching me how to jump with the waves and everything, and I, I misjumped. I jumped too soon, and the wave came, and I panicked, and I ran mm. back to the beach, and I nearly drowned in the waves. That was that was bad enough. Yeah. Um, and then and then we were hiking. <laughs> we were hiking to. <laughs> bar to interviews of locals for an assignment and Hmm. uh i nearly got heat exhaustion and and passed out and died (laughs) and then uh and then the last the last couple of nights we were there um we snuck into the resort pool and it was just us and i went down the big slide i was a little drunk and i went down the big slide and i the pool didn't have the lights on so i couldn't figure out where the top was from the bottom and i nearly drowned in there too so
1: oh wow yeah that can happen in water can't it you don't really know which way is up yeah 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 Yeah, it's like space (laughs) and how have these near-death experiences influenced your poetry to bring it back around because maybe you appreciate life
2: more (laughs) i mean yeah it certainly it teaches you to be more careful uh (laughs) not to jump into things uh but honestly uh there's a lot of metaphors about about water and Mm. the ocean in my poetry now i think uh it's become a really powerful image of of what it can mean to to be careless with your life so
1: yeah definitely how's this last year been for you in lockdown because we haven't even mentioned that yet have you been enjoying the time to write poetry or have you just not liked being stuck at home in general
2: it's been fun it was fun for like the first month maybe it was like oh yeah I had <laughs> so much done and then as it continued to drag on it was like oh my god i miss everybody yeah. there's there's i mean if nothing's happening there's no inspiration oh yeah. it's depressing yeah. I, i don't want to write all the time about you know the world ending that's sad <laughs>
1: yeah definitely i guess the only inspiration was the pandemic it's the only thing in the news and the only place you could go was the shops and that's not really the best place to get inspiration really (laughs)
2: Write a write a write a pack about or write a poem about my favorite biscuits or cookies you know just yeah i don't think people would be interested in that hobnobs
1: so where are we able to find all your poetry if we'd like to
2: check it out so i uh i have it for sale the collections and and the short novellas are for sale on amazon yeah uh uh they're they're either under bridget o'connell or b.a o'connell my those are my two writing names and then um i also post pretty regularly on my tumblr which is Hellish Rebuke System at tumbler.com. And mm-hmm. then uh, those are the two main places you'd find it. And yeah. and sometimes I put tweets out and uh, my handle is okay. at once I ate a taco. Ooh, wow. Um, but only it's once. Uh, only once. <laughs> yeah, did you nearly die? Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those are the two main places, or the few main places you'll find it. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I take it—is it quite easy to publish poems on Amazon? Because that seems to be where everybody is putting their books these days.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty—it's a pretty easy process. What's not easy? Yeah. Uh, this is a warning to all you people who want to <laughs> self-publish or, or you know, put a book on Amazon. Is it's not easy to promote your own book. (laughs) it's not easy to get the ads and everything so you you gotta you gotta be you gotta go in with a game plan for that if you're gonna do it
1: yeah that's interesting because they might not like ads in their name or something is that why
2: (laughs) well it's also it's just you know you have to if you're running the ad campaign if you don't have somebody running the ad campaign for you or or you know and you have no experience writing ads or a budget for it i mean i mean they'll let you put ads but you have to pay for it and you have to write them and everything so you got to be prepared for that kind of work you've got to be a bit of a
1: marketing expert as well which is not many people really right right
2: you just got to be you got to be prepared for that yeah (laughs) definitely
1: well thank you very much for coming on the show today it's been great to have you here
2: yes thank you for having me i enjoyed it
0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Oh
2: yeah! Hey. yeah, yeah. Hey, hey. The
1: throbbing pulse of sound so